0: launch and optimize web pages fast that means you can set ambitious marketing goals and your site can rise to that challenge learn why teams like dropbox ideo and orange theory all trust webflow to achieve their most ambitious goals today at webflow.com want to drive greater success in social commerce with deloitte's latest creator economy research you can after surveying over 500 creators and 500 brands Our insights are helping CMOs and marketing teams harness the power of content creators. And not only that, but how to do it well. See for yourself by visiting cmo.deloitte.com today. What's the first brand that had an impact on you?
1: It's probably going to sound like a little bit of an unexpected thing to say as a brand, uh, but I would say NASA. NASA? NASA. And if I go back to my childhood... It was a very strong brand. I know it's an agency, but it had developed a really strong brand at that time, just kind of captured by imagination. And I dreamed of being an astronaut. Ultimately, it's why I ended up in engineering. I actually originally got accepted into aerospace engineering because I thought my dream was to go and work at NASA. Um, so it had, a, it had a huge impact uh, on, my, on my life.
0: Hi, I'm Jim Stengel, and I help major brands find their purpose and activate it, and the profits follow. For seven years, I was the global marketing officer for Procter & Gamble, where I oversaw the marketing of hundreds of brands. You may not know it, but the CMOs, the chief marketing officers of all of your favorite brands, are trying to connect you with your favorite products and services through purpose. And on this show, I delve into how they do it. Today, my guest on the CMO Podcast is Andrea Zumensky. She is a woman who wanted to be an astronaut, but is now a marketer. Andrea is the chief marketing officer of KFC, a multi-billion dollar 90-year-old brand with 23,000 stores in 140 countries, and it's growing. KFC is part of the Yum! Brands company, along with Taco Bell and Pizza Hut. Andrea is an industrial engineer turned marketer. She worked at P&G, as I did, for 17 years before becoming the CMO of KFC. We explore creativity, culture, math, science, Andrea's hits and misses in this finger-licking good interview. Here's my conversation with Andrea. Andrea, welcome to the CMO Podcast. It is so good to be with you today.
1: Thank you so much, Jim. I'm I'm thrilled to be here. Uh, I have to tell you, I'm I'm a little bit fangirling. You were the chief brand officer at P&G when I was like a baby ABM. Um, So it's very cool to be on this podcast with you now um, having this discussion, I have to tell you.
0: We are going to get into that. No worries. Great. I can't wait. But I have to get into something right up front. What is it with the crocs (laughs) that look like a bucket of (laughs) fried chicken? Really? Are you wearing them today? Well, you
1: know what? They're not, you can't order them until March. So they come out with the spring line. Um, But come on, what is there not to love about Bucket Crocs? Um, And, you know, I never thought that I would say KFC and New York Fashion Week kind of in the same sentence. But it is a reality. And uh, we've had this incredible partnership with Crocs. And it just somehow is the thing that, like, just makes sense when you hear it, um, and of course we had to have fried chicken gibbets that smell like fried chicken um, as well. Absolutely.
0: So, so have you have you tried them on yet?
1: Oh yes, I have. I have, and in yeah. fact, I tried the platform ones on, which are the ones that, that actually go? launched it, uh, not well. <laughs> my, my team actually had to catch me from breaking my ankle <laughs> the first time I put them on, but I, then I wore them all around the office, and and everyone everyone loves them.
0: Would you say this is the craziest thing KFC's ever done, or would it be in the top three?
1: You know, I I think it's probably in the top five, maybe. I would say um, because at the end of the day, you look at them, and uh, I think a lot of people are going to want to wear these. Uh, I really do um, because it makes so much sense to take kind of our iconic bucket. It's our most recognizable asset that we have as a brand. And put it with Crocs, which is just another huge brand icon, and you mash those things together, and it just kind of somehow, in a very unexpected way, makes sense. Um, but you put that next to, you know, launching a, a dating simulator, or the objective of the game is to win the heart of Colonel Sanders, and that might win for kind of the, the most extraordinary <laughs>
0: thing. And who wouldn't love that? Exactly. Now, listen, we're going to get into some of the craziness that you do and the strategy behind it in a minute. But uh, as you said up front, uh, this podcast is going to be extra fun. You know, I have a long history with your brand and I have a shared <laughs> history with you. Yeah. So I really, really look forward to this. But first, I want to get into my history with your brand. I don't know if you know this, but before I was CMO of p I was actually general manager of the Czech and Slovak Republics. And yeah. my family and I lived in Prague. Okay. And we were we were in a really lousy office building, so we ended up building a new one when I was there, which was a really interesting project as a GM. And and the first floor of our PNG Prague office was KFC. Oh my gosh! So my office was right above your kitchen.
1: That is incredible. So I,
0: I went home every night smelling a little bit like fried chicken. <laughs>
1: <That> <laughs> but my kids fantastic. loved it.
0: They love coming to the office. They come visit me, and they were little at the time. Then we go to KFC. Everyone was happy.
1: Oh, that's fantastic. I love that.
0: Oh, and it's—I think it's still there. I was back in Prague just a few years ago, and it was still there.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, KFC is—it is really a, a global powerhouse. I don't think there are many brands that have the kind of love across the entire planet uh, that KFC does, and the growth is still explosive. I think the stat is basically about every eight hours, a new KFC opens up somewhere around the world. So you kind of go to bed at night when you wake up in the morning, a new KFC has opened somewhere, uh, somewhere in the world. And then the affection for this brand around the world is incredible. And then when you speak to anyone in the U.S. even, everyone has some kind of a story. Like you have your story from outside of the U.S., but you can ask anyone about, hey, do you have a KFC memory? And most people will talk about, you know, some kind of family memory surrounding a bucket of chicken uh, when they, usually when they were growing up, and it's really a special, a special brand in that way.
0: Well, I have a second story about your brand, and this is a very poignant one in many ways. I am the recipient of an Honorary Colonel Sanders Portrait Award.
1: I know about that.
0: And so tell our listeners about the significance of that. I mean, it's, ha- it's hanging in my office in Cincinnati. <laughs> I love it. It makes me smile. It makes all my guests smile. Tell our listeners a bit about that.
1: Well, I love that you have this. So, you know, we started this turnaround um, about six years ago. And um, and really, the turnaround was about getting the brand back to the values of our founder, of Colonel Sanders. After his death in the U.S., we started to kind of stray away from that. And we really lost relevance because of that. So everything that we've been doing in this turnaround has been about bringing him back to the forefront and getting back to him and his values. And so our president, Kevin Hawkman, who I know, you know, um, has developed a recognition award. Recognition is a huge part of the culture here. David Novak um, brought that uh, to bear. Your previous CEO. Yeah, our yep. previous mm-hmm. CEO brought that to bear um, here. It is a major part of our culture, um, very public recognition with a, a personal recognition award. So Kevin created the kind of changing the face of KFC award, where he turns very special people uh, into honorary colonels. And so I was excited to hear that, um, that he made you um, an honorary colonel as, as well. So you actually got transformed into the colonel in that award as other very special people have. And my understanding is because you really taught Kevin a lot about kind of foundational marketing um, and have been a mentor to him and therefore have made a huge influence in what we've done on this brand and um, really changing the face of, of KFC.
0: And Kevin was at P&G for our listeners. Yes. And he was also a young leader at P&G when I was more senior and, and I was a bit of a mentor for him. Mm-hmm. And he's taken it to, he's now at Pizza Hut, correct?
1: He's also here at KFC. He's doing kind of okay. a, a split role. He's, he's looking out in- over both. He's the interim president at, at Pizza Hut right now. Yes.
0: Okay. Very good. I want to talk a little bit about our shared history. We talked about the brand for a minute, and I want you to go first. I'm going to ask you a question. What do we have in common?
1: What do we have in common? Well, we are both marketers at P&G.
0: That's good. That's number one.
1: <laughs> uh, we both lived in Cincinnati.
0: <laughs> That's number two. you You're go- Two for two.
1: I know. Did we both work on Crest, um, maybe, and oral care?
0: Close, go a little further down in the anatomy.
1: Uh, Pampers.
0: Pampers. We both worked on Pampers. Oh,
1: fantastic.
0: And the last one is a little tougher.
1: Okay. Um, I think
0: we, I'll I'll help you with this one. I think we both both try to bring a sense of purpose and excitement to our work and our teams.
1: Yes. Right? Yes, I agree with that.
0: You're certainly a leader like that. So I, I want to talk to you a bit, take you back before we talk about KFC. We both worked on Pampers as you said. It's P&G's biggest brand. I worked on Pampers like 15 years before you, so a long time before you. And it was a watershed experience for me because the brand was really sick. We found a, a purpose for it and a unity for our team and it turned around and we went on to great revenue and innovation and it became a great place to work. You followed that by many years, so you had to keep the creativity and the energy going on that brand that was growing, and every brand has its ups and downs, but what did you learn about keeping a very large brand in a very large company, you know, full of energy and innovation and excitement? What did you learn that you carried forward with you from that experience?
1: Well you're You're absolutely right. I mean, I think it is a very special thing that we share working on a brand like like Pampers, and I got to benefit from the work that you did to create a healthy a healthy foundation. so thank you for that. Um, but I think a couple things that we that I really took away from from that experience. <clears throat> the first was it is a brand with a lot of history and a lot of the people that worked on it had worked on it for many years were there when you were there um, as well. And you know, one of the things that I'm most proud of that we did while I was there was, um, was that we took Pampers and Pampers Swaddlers really kind of back to some of its heritage, which is and really what its unique position in the market is, which is that it is the first kind of product that baby ever is is exposed to. We get that very special moment of being there at the moment of birth. And and so we, part of what I'm most proud of is we took the brand kind of back to owning that moment of birth. I like to say two things happen when a baby is born in that that delivery room. The first thing they do is they put a security thing on their ankle so they don't get stolen. And then the second thing that happens is they put a, a pamper Wilders diaper um on the baby. And we really started to embrace that, embrace that part of who we, the kind of the core essence of of the brand. And I think even when I come forward to KFC, really what we're doing is embracing kind of that core essence and soul of the brand. And I think when we did that, we were able to take an already strong brand and really have it even mean even that much more and connect with our customers um, even more. And then the second thing is, and I know you feel strongly about this, is we kept ourselves grounded in our purpose. I don't think there was a day that went by that I worked on Pampers that I didn't say the words caring for babies, happy, healthy development, um, and brought everybody in the team back to that was what we were there to do. And as long as we kept us centered on that purpose, um, then people felt inspired. And by the way, the sales and revenue um, flowed. Uh, from that because we got our customers excited about doing that. We got um, everyone on the brand excited. We got hospitals excited, you know, really kind of across the whole ecosystem.
0: You had a wonderful 17-year career at p which I'm going to talk about toward the end of this podcast. But I want you to, what did you learn in that 17 years that, what's the most defining thing you learned that you brought to your current role as CMO of KFC?
1: You know, I would probably say, first of all, I think p and g is the greatest training ground you can have as a leader and as a marketer. So there are tons of just technical marketing skills that I learned and leadership skills about setting a vision and working with a multifunctional team and inspiring them to you know accomplish more than they ever thought that they could uh, but if i if I think about kind of the probably foundational Thing that I carry with me every day, as, as a marketer and as a leader, is really about keeping the customer. Um, I call it a customer now; we call it a consumer at P and G. At the center of every single thing that we do and every single decision that we make, and I think if you keep that customer as your as your compass, um, that at the end of the day, you're going to do what's right um, what's right for your brand. Um, and I think that's really, that was ingrained into me. And I was brought up on that philosophy at P&G. And I, I think it's probably the number one thing that applies to any industry um, that you go to. If you keep the person that's going to use your product at the end in mind, it it will work out.
0: We've all been there. You spend millions of dollars each year driving traffic to your company's website. And then the results come in and they're just not what you hoped. On top of that. of marketing leaders say website ownership is a challenge. So what do you do? Well, you switch to Webflow. Let me tell you why. Webflow's visual-first platform empowers your team to own your company's most valuable dynamic marketing asset, your website. From launching a new site to optimizing for SEO and conversions, Webflow gives you the tools you need to drive business growth fast. Unlock your website's full potential when you build, manage, and host with Webflow. Get started today at webflow.com. Do you have any habits or rituals to make sure that stays in how you do work that others could learn from? I mean, everyone's trying to be customer obsessed, right? Yeah. I hear that in every, in every company I walk into. And it's, you know, it's easier said than done. Yes. So do you have any habits, rituals, practices, principles for you that work to keep the customer at the center of everything?
1: I would say a couple things. Number one, I always, I am pretty um, maniacal about getting out of the office. Um, even on Monday, we took my entire lead team out and did um, competitive shops. And it was as much about seeing the competitors as it was seeing the customers in the, in the restaurants and experiencing what they were experiencing. And so even so much as every month going back and looking at, you know, my calendar in the previous month and my calendar in the future month and making sure that I'm getting out of the office and out with customers where I can really see what's going on. Because you can only read about and hear about, you know, so much. You have to kind of experience it, um, I believe. Um, And even, you know, going into the restaurant and walking around and actually talking to the customers in there. Uh, which I'll do more at a KFC probably than a than a competitive shop, but uh, but actually making sure that I'm spending time out there with um, with customers and being maniacal about that, I would say, is the number one thing.
0: That's great. You left P and G for KFC after 17 years at one company. Was that hard?
1: Yes, it was probably. I would say besides you know leaving my small town and kind of being the first in my immediate family to to go off to college uh i would say it was probably the hardest thing that that i've ever done um i i loved png i still love png um i love the people at png Um, and i had no plans uh to leave in fact my uh, my husband and i had just finished building spending 18 months of our life like building a dream home <laughs> in cincinnati uh when i we had moved in like for 20 days when Kevin called me uh, about this opportunity. Um, but as I learned more about it, I just felt kind of a draw to this brand um, and to this opportunity. Um, first of all, it's like this brand is like a marketer's dream, right? Um, to have assets like Finger licking Good and The Bucket and The Kernel and Um, And this idea that you can ask anyone for a memory about KFC and they can rattle one off is just, you know, kind of a dream, I would say. Uh, But also like the values of the brand line up with my own kind of personal small town, small town values and um, and also kind of the bar of integrity that I that I had at at P&G. And I just I have this principle in my life that I've had probably since I left for college, which is that nothing great ever happens when you're comfortable. Good things will happen, but in order to really get to something great, you gotta kind of push yourself out there and get uncomfortable. And I really challenged myself, and my husband challenged me at the time too. Of like, I think this is one of those moments where where it's time uh, to kind of leave the nest and go make yourself uncomfortable, and great things are going to happen. And uh, once again, as it has, I think every other time in my life, it, uh, it it has proved out to be that way. And I think my growth has really been. Um, explosive, I would say, um, since kind of taking on a new industry and a, and a new brand.
0: Well, you've had great results, which we'll talk about in a minute. Where did you grow up? You, keep, you brought up your small town a few times.
1: I grew up in a tiny town in North Central Ohio of about 5,000 5, people. Uh, it's a really special place um, with, uh, with just very, very special people that kind of all look out for each other. And um, it was a wonderful place to, to grow up. My family is still there.
0: Big family, small family?
1: Uh, you know, I have a, a pretty big family, I would say. Um, uh, I would say a very, it feels like a big family. I would say we're very involved, um, in everything with each other and there's a lot of love. <laughs> um, and it's, uh, it's a really special family. We, we even, and we have a foundation, um, like a local community foundation in my hometown that my dad leads and I sit on the board of, and kind of, I get to go back every year and, um, and support that, uh, which helps scholarships in the local community. It's it's just a it's a it's a really special place that I'm happy that I still get to be involved with.
0: Is there a KFC there?
1: There is a KFC there. There is. Do you
0: bring do you bring coupons home?
1: <laughs> yes, yes. And I try to go to KFC go to the KFC there as many times as I can whenever I go home.
0: So you've been at CMO of KFC for like three years, and your growth has been great. You know, same store sales are growing, which is hard to do. And the brand has a lot of energy, a lot of vitality. It's attracting a lot of interesting people, a lot of creativity. And you brought the colonel back, and you refer to that early in the podcast. So this guy was a real person. He died, and you brought him back. That's kind of risky. Yes. Did you get any pushback? Was, what was the thought process? What could others learn by bringing back an icon who was a real person? So tell us that story it seems to have worked out extremely well for you,
1: it's worked out extremely well. Now, truth be told, um, the Colonel came back under Kevin when Kevin was the chief marketing officer. So he kind of had to he bear he bore the brunt of uh, of making that really courageous uh, decision um, that has, I think, catapulted the the brand. But you're right. I mean, the Colonel was a was our real founder, founded the brand in 1952, and Um, and really was the face of of this brand. He was in all the advertisements. He donned the white suit because it looked better on TV than the black suit that, you know, he wore before. He wasn't photographed without his glasses in the last 20 years of his life. I mean, he really was this world's greatest chicken salesman that you could you could ever find. And after his death, the brand kind of veered away from him as that kind of forefront of the brand. And then over the years, you can totally see how this would happen. We wanted to attract, the brand wanted to attract younger customers. And how could you use this kind of older, you know, white guy to, who's dead to attract younger customers. And so they kind of got a bit, a bit lost. And when Kevin came on as CMO, he, um, he brought on Widening Kennedy, um, which is just an incredible agency. And they came back, they came to the KFC headquarters here in Louisville, Kentucky. We have this um, incredible archives and they did a, a basically an archaeological dig, basically you could say. And they pulled up, you know, kind of all of the history of the brand and realized that really at the heart and soul of this brand was Colonel Sanders and, and that he was the key to kind of bringing relevance and vitality back to the brand. And you're right, there was a lot of people um, that wasn't that weren't sure like how could you still attract younger customers with this kind of, you know, of icon. And then by the way, if you're going to bring him back, you have to bring him back in a modern way, which means you have someone else play the role of him. And wow, you know, we've gotten plenty of feedback that Colonel Sanders would be rolling over in his grave if he would have seen seen this happen. So it required a tremendous amount of work to bring franchisees along, to bring um, to bring the corporation along, to bring all of those people along to get behind this vision. And it was very risky and kind of they didn't weren't sure until they actually put it out there how people would respond. And of course, there were haters, um, but largely there were a lot of of celebration um, for this. and. And it's proven to be true. And, you know, we didn't just bring the colonel back to our advertising. We brought him back to the forefront of our restaurants. You see him in all of our remodels right at the forefront of our restaurants. We bought, we brought, we got back to his recipes and how he um, prepared the chicken to have really delicious chicken. We got back to having pride in our fried chicken, right? Um, You know, the decision had been made to stop calling ourselves Kentucky Fried Chicken because people were afraid of the fried part of it and do people want fried? So we've gotten back to calling ourselves what we really are. We're Kentucky Fried Chicken, and we have pride in in the fact that we're fried. Um, So we got back to kind of all those values, and it's and it's really really paid off.
0: That's one of so many creative things you do in the brand. You're you're a wildly creative brand, and so is Burger King, so is Taco Bell, so is McDonald's in their own way. Why is there so much freaking creativity in your category? What is it about it?
1: Well, you know, I would say. I think by definition, if I go back to kind of where I talked about the compass of our customer, customers in QSR are, have like virtually no loyalty, um, right? They're, they they want to try things that are exciting and new and, um, and, you know, different, different restaurants and convenience is important. And, and so it's really important in this category and it's very fast paced as well, Um people are making you don't have, you don't have the purchase cycle of you have to finish the tube of toothpaste right mm-hmm. i could have fast yep. food today and if i see something that entices me i can have fast food tomorrow um so this idea of being top of mind um when that moment of hunger strikes is really important um in this category and also the idea of being relevant to um to a range of customers is also really important and i think that's what sparks this kind of burst of creativity that you see in this category that maybe you don't see in, in others.
0: How do you cultivate a culture where that keeps going? Because you're, you're, as you say, you're bringing out creative ideas all the time. You have the crocs now, but you have this, you know, every time I, lo- I seem to look at you, there's something else coming from your brand. Mm-hmm. How do you, how, what, what can we learn about cultivating creativity in a culture from you?
1: Well, I think um, it's about I think there's a couple things I would say. The first thing is, is we have an acknowledgement that not everything is going to work. Um, so we have kind of a principle that we're going to take a lot of swings. And what ends up happening is some of the things that you're not really sure, you know, people are going to gravitate to become your biggest hits. And sometimes the things that you think people are just going to go crazy about are, are you know, singles, or not even singles, quite honestly. Um, you know, we we decided to um, celebrate the colonel's birthday by giving a scholarship or $11,000 to anyone who named their baby, Har- to the first person that named their baby Harland on the, I remember. the baby's birthday. And, and we kind of thought, you know, this, we're going to take a swing at this. It doesn't cost much money at all to do this, right? And I mean, a billion and a half impressions later and, you know, on all the late night shows um, so it's not like this thing costs a lot of money. So we said, let's go take a swing at this. And then, you know, a billion and a half impressions later, we're on all the, all the talk shows. Um, and, um, and this thing, just people just really resonated and gravitated towards it. I would not have at the beginning of the year picked this to be, this is going to be the one that's, that's a grand slam. Um, and then we have, you know, we have other ones that, that don't hit and that's okay. We give ourselves... We give the team kind of grace for that, and you know the other thing I would say is we bring everyone along on this. So the one thing unique about QSR also is our advertising is funded by our franchisees. So um, you know, part of it is about bringing them in and getting them excited about the creativity and about what this can really do for for our brand. And, um, and so we do a lot of work, um, getting them excited about these ideas and what we want to do. And that does a couple things. I mean, the first thing is they usually make the ideas better, uh, because they have a lot of years. Sometimes some of them are second generation, you know, people on this brand. So they have a lot of experience. They, a lot of times make the ideas better. The other thing is then they're part of it. And we kind of, Succeed together or or not um, together, which I think is really is really special also, and so that idea of kind of we're all in this together, I think also breeds a lot of creativity because when something doesn't work, there's no finger pointing, and when something does work, you get all of that momentum and wanting to do it. What's the next thing that we're going to do that's going to you know build on this momentum, and you start to kind of create this this flywheel, I would say of of moving forward. Mm -hmm.
0: You seem to really be in your zone and loving this work. So tell us what you love most about what you do now. And tell us one thing that kind of drives you nuts.
1: Oh, gosh. So I would say the thing that I love the most is the pace. Um, So fast food is fast. Um, And it's funny when I was Exploring this opportunity, people talk to me about that because that's probably the biggest nervousness on both sides of someone coming from CPG um, over to, to QSR is can you keep up with the pace? And, you know, we'd have all these discussions and I was like, no, 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 I've worked on some of the fastest projects we ever did at p and I know how to move fast. And I will tell you, I got here and I was like, whoa, that's what you mean. <laughs> um, I had no idea uh, what fast really meant. And, uh, and it is exhilarating. Um, it can be almost like a little bit of a drug, um, Mm -hmm. and, uh, and because you can make an impact really fast. And that is probably the thing that I have the most fun with is that we're, we are really, we are trying to move this brand. We want to grow faster and we don't have to wait two years to do that. Um, we can, we can do it now. And we can make a big impact, um, a big impact now. So I would say that's, uh, that is the, the most fun thing and the thing that I'm having the most fun with. And of course, like the creativity and launching KFC Crocs and, you know, all of that is fun. Um, but also um, just our innovation program that is driving sales overnight, right? And making our menu relevant, like those are also things that we can do fast and are, can make a, you know, we have this daily sales app where we watch literally by the hour sales come in. Um, and there's also something really accelerating about the work that we're doing and then watching the the impact of that. Now, sometimes it can be a little stressful because maybe it's not working, but the good news is, is we can do something pretty quickly to, to address it um, if it's not. And, you know, I would say, that's a, tr- a, a tricky question on, on what drives me, what drives me nuts about it. Um, Maybe nothing. Yeah. I, I, uh, I, I, I think we, we've got a lot of work to do, I would say. I mean, that's probably, that's probably the thing that, that drives me nuts. I'm probably, even though we're going fast, I'm still really impatient. Um, you know, there's a lot of opportunity out there for us on this brand, and um, and I we're a small and a, a scrappy team that um, we can only do so much, you know, at a time. And uh, and so probably uh, the thing that keeps me up at night is just impatience for all the things that I see that we can do on this brand to make it stronger and to grow faster uh, that I just want to go and go and get after. Mm-hmm.
0: So this uh, this pace that's so exhilarating and so exciting—that's a difference versus P and G marketing. What are the other big differences? You know, you're working—you've worked for two blue chip marketing companies. You know, how is marketing different at P and G and KFC? And what could we learn from that?
1: Yeah. So you know, I think the pace needs to be different. I would say um, they're just different different business models. But I do think I've learned, just to talk about the pace first, I have learned, you know, things that I've done here that I didn't even know were possible um, that when I worked in, in CPG that, that can really make a big, a big difference and still could be done at PNG. I mean, we, we've created, I, I, one time we needed to make an intervention and we briefed an idea into the agency on June 1st. We had it on air by June 25th. Um, within the Three same weeks within the same month. briefing
0: to on air right mm-hmm.
1: which I didn't even think was ever possible, and no, you wouldn't want to like run your c p g brand like that, but in a dire situation to know that that's possible, I think that could unlock some some possibilities um but also, you know I think some of the things that are are the same um, is that when you get when you get here at k f c and it was the same at p n g and you get this multifunctional team, all focused on a clear and concise objective, whether you need to deliver it in 18 months or here, we might need to deliver it in six weeks. There is so much power in that. And there is, whether it was at p or here, when we are all focused and going after something relentlessly, there is nothing that will stop us from getting, getting it done. And, and I think that's, that's the same. You know, I would say one of the differences would be, you know, here I have a smaller team. I would say we're a scrappier team, probably more diverse backgrounds and talents kind of that make up this kind of mosaic of the team. Um It's, really like because of that and the culture here it it really is like a family um you know which means sometimes by the way as as families are it's messy and unpredictable and we're all in each other's in each other's business but at the end of the day everyone has each other's back um we're rooting for each other and the pace at this pace we just have to go after it um and I think there's something special about that, and it's really grown my leadership, I would say, leading that kind of team, which is quite different than what I had experienced at at P&G.
0: What would you say is the key to success for today's CMO? If you said data, you wouldn't be the only one. At Deloitte, however, we believe data is only half of the equation. The other half, story. Because data is the language of business, but story is the language of humans, And we believe the most successful CMOs know how to harness the power of both data and story. To learn more about Deloitte's CMO program and how we can help today's CMOs succeed, visit cmo.deloitte.com. Brand purpose is such a big concept in brand building today. And obviously P&G's embraced it and brought it to life on many brands. Is that concept uh, relevant and alive at KFC? I
1: would say say that it is. Um, And in fact, uh, we've been... We've been working on kind of how do we articulate a bigger brand, a bigger brand purpose. We're still in, I would say, the early days of it. <clears throat> Catherine Tan, who is our global uh, chief marketing officer, uh, has been kind of leading this work because we feel like the brand really needs to have a purpose across the entire world. And the way that the way that we're articulating it at KFC is about kind of empowering people to find their own secret recipe and. You know, the thing about QSR that's, again, very different than, than CPG is that we have thousands of team members and kind of people that are on the front lines of these, of all of our restaurants, right, um, that, first of all, are the face of our brand. Um, but second of all, we have an incredible opportunity to impact and change their lives. And so it is something that also, I would say for me, gives greater purpose to the work that we're doing. Um, You know, for example, I got the opportunity a couple months ago to go to one of our franchisees, um, big recognition events for their restaurant managers. And it was probably one of the most moving experiences I've been part of in my life, probably. Uh, because these are these, they're, you know, managing a KFC and this franchisee, you know, saw talent in these people and gave them big ambitious goals to go after. And when you meet these managers, they are like the most hungry, talented, passionate people that just go after it. And this particular franchisee really believes in, in reward and recognition for that. And at this event, for these restaurants, the best, you know, kind of the best of the best on their team, you know, they're giving them these giant checks, uh, like the big checks you get, you know, when you, when you Mm -hmm. win a prize for tens of thousands of dollars. And this is, this is life-changing kind of recognition that they're doing um, for these people because, and they've really given them a, given them a chance um, to make a, to make a huge difference in and their lives. And, you know, there's one, one manager who now their children are also managers at KFC and they're getting recognized um, with this. So we're changing even generations of, of people. And I think it's something really special and, and kind of ingrained in the purpose of, of our brand.
0: Well, you're a high touch business, right? You see a lot of people every day, you interact with them as human beings, mm-hmm, you know, they're exactly. hanging out with their families, with their friends, you know, there's, it's rich.
1: Mm-hmm. It really is. It really is. And food is emotional. Um, you know, which I don't think I realized. I will tell you before I before I worked on this brand, people are very emotional about the food that they that they eat because it is just like you said, it's a social thing, it's a personal thing. It says something about you. Um, the food that you eat is highly, highly emotional.
0: What's your favorite go to item at KFC?
1: Well, I have to say, I always get original recipe. Um, I get like a two piece white original recipe um, it's my favorite, so uh, another thing I will tell you that I'll let you in into a, in a little bit of the scoop um, that one of my personal passions since I've gotten here has been about bringing um, french fries to to KFC. Mm. Um, we don't have french fries a day. we have potato wedges um, and so we are working on rolling out french fries, and I will tell you that. I know I'm a little bit biased, but we're we're launching secret recipe fries, and they are like the most delicious fries that that I've I've ever had. In fact, so I have wh- the seasoning when- at home, and I I put it on my fries at home.
0: When will I see them? When
1: well, will- I can't make an official announcement, okay, but you can right. you can see them in like 200 restaurants across the U.S. right now. And you uh, have a couple
0: couple different sauces for them.
1: Well, we have um we have, we have it has. Flavor on it; it has a secret recipe flavoring okay. on it that is absolutely uh, of delicious. It does. They're a crispy fry, and of course at KFC it has to have some kind of a flavor. Uh, and then we'll have all of our kind of dipping sauces that you can have for them as well. But they're pretty good even on their own.
0: We could talk all day, but we're going to have to come to the end of this wonderful discussion. And I want to do a little bit of a lightning round to get some insights and perspectives from you as a leader, and just you know, kind of on life in general. I want I want to go way back. You studied industrial engineering in college at Cincinnati, what was your favorite course in that line of study?
1: Probably, I think it was called Operations, um, which was all about kind of the process and how to optimize processes to get things done the most efficiently, I would say. Um, That was probably my favorite, I think, because it... It really, I am a little bit of a nerd. I'm a self-proclaimed nerd. Um, I love solving problems. I still do crossword puzzles uh, all the time today. Um, and there's something about like having a puzzle that you can find a way to kind of put together systematically um, that I found fascinating.
0: That's why p hired you.
1: Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly right.
0: <laughs> so your first job at PNG was in IT. Why did you make the switch to marketing?
1: Well, it's 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 kind of funny how I how I ended up in IT. I I kind of a little bit haphazardly ended up in IT. I really I dreamed of working at PNG. I was in Cincinnati and and wanted to work at PNG and ended up getting a co-op job um that happened to be in the IT department. And kind of started to grow up there and worked with some incredible people um in IT and um and so loved PNG, but in that IT job, I mean, I carried a pager, would get woken up in the middle of the night because some database went down in the middle of the night. But at the end of the day, I really was yearning to be closer to that, like um, they published like the OGSM, right? The objective strategies and goals for the company. And I remember this moment of getting it and just feeling this, this draw to be closer and tighter into that. Um, I didn't know what that looked like. I really had had no exposure to marketing. I was kind of often shared services in, in IT. So the first job I ever I ever took that was close to marketing was still in IT and it was a business analyst um, where I worked on the line. Um, and that was in oral care. And that was my first exposure to marketing and brand management. And it was really sitting through these multifunctional core team meetings. And it took about two of them for me to, to see the marketing people in the room and say, wait, I think that's what I want, what I want to do. And luckily I had incredible sponsorship um, and mentors who helped me make the switch over. And I've just never looked back and, you know, IT just never quite felt like a fit to me. Um, And I had to work really hard. I will say like, I work really hard today, but I, it felt like work. And ever since I Transitioned over to marketing. I still work hard, but it doesn't feel like work when I'm doing it.
0: Who's been the most important mentor in your career to date?
1: Gosh, I have so many mentors. Um, You might know Jodi Allen, um, who also started her career in IT and then also transitioned over to marketing after me, by the way. But uh, she's been a really important mentor to me. She was my mentor in IT and then. even through marketing and has kind of coached me through a lot of big, big transitions, including my first maternity leave when I had twins. Um, And I think a lot of women would tell you it's a very tumultuous time. And um, I probably got a little bit crazy. Um, I was worried, you know, I'd kind of told myself, I was worried that I was going to not be able to be as, um, as valued and, um, as keep the same trajectory on my career. And, and I would say she is the the person that kind of coached me through that period of my life, um, which was life-changing for me and showed me that I in fact could, could do, do, do it all. So, um, that was really important to me.
0: My son just married a twin this past summer.
1: Ah, congratulations. (laughs) That's awesome. Twins are very special.
0: Yeah, they sure are. We'll end this discussion on two questions. The first one is, do you have any quick question for me since we have such a shared history and we both love Cincinnati and P&G <laughs> and brands and KFC and Pampers. Any question for me to close it out?
1: So, if you were in my position as Chief Marketing Officer of KFC, what is the what if you came into this job, what is the first thing that you would do?
0: Listen. Listen. Do what you do. I would spend. I would spend my first month traveling. Listen to franchisees, employees, customers, associates. What what compet- competition is doing? What what people outside the category are doing? You know, just listen, take it in, and uh, the ideas are in, are always in the organization.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And so it sounds like it, that's exactly what you do.
1: Yeah, you're so right. You're so right. That is. That's exactly. That's exactly right. I was hoping you were going to give me some some brilliant marketing idea that I could steal. More
0: crocs, more crocs, (laughs) (laughs) more, more, more Kentucky fried chicken bucket crocs. I can't wait to get some. So who else would you like, who, who would be interesting for you to hear in the CMO podcast? Who else would you like to hear?
1: Um, I think there's a couple people. Uh, I don't know. Have you had Rick Gomez on yet? Uh, from, from target?
0: We will have Rick on
1: Ah, uh, well he We have
0: a special edition of Rick and Jeff Jones, who were both CMOs at Target. I interviewed them together. Okay. I just wonderful. think
1: what he's doing with DI and his passion for that, like and his purpose. We talk about that. Yeah. Is um is so inspiring. So I would love to hear. I can't wait to hear it. Another person you may want to consider is a dear, dear friend of mine. Um, her name is Jocelyn Wong. She is the former CMO of Lowe's. Um, she's also a P&G alumni. She was at Family Dollar as a CMO. Um, she's on a little bit of a break now. Um, and actually kind of what she's learning even through that, I think is fascinating. And I think would, would be, um, would be fascinating for your audience to to hear about as well.
0: That's a great idea. I remember her at PNG and I was a bit of a mentor of hers as well. She's wonderful. Yes. So that's a one, that's a great idea.
1: Great. And she's a lot of fun too. You'll have a lot of fun yeah. talking to her too. Yeah.
0: As I have here.
1: Oh, well, thank you so much. Me too.
0: And I hope to see you again very soon and good luck with, uh, with the Crocs and much more <laughs>
1: yeah well hopefully we'll do we'll do more than just Crocs we'll sell some fried chicken
0: oh I'm, I'm sure you will
1: awesome thank you so much Jim this has been so thanks
0: fun. Andrea it was wonderful that was my conversation with Andrea I loved how she talked about recognition and how critical it is in a company in a culture to value recognition it's a big part of the Yum! Brands and KFC culture and Andrea talks so much about the impact of that